Hey, it's Russ Payton with Rolling Public Radio. This is Game Designers Workshop. Uh, this is, uh, we haven't done this in a bit, a hot second, but uh, we're going to be talking about uh, game design publishing in our current era. Uh, I want to say pandemic publishing. I don't know, because uh, it's alliterative, at least. So uh, There was a before time and an after time, and we are clearly within the after time. <laughs> yeah, th- th- it's true. Yeah. Uh, it's just that the after time is also the during time. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, so we have Caleb here, of course, but we also have a guest, uh, Jeff Barber, friend of the podcast. How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is in town to visit, so we're, we're going to hang out, but uh, got to monetize my hobbies and friendships. So, <laughs> uh, there's here we, money? Yeah, there, there's some money, supposedly. Um, <laughs> so, theoretically. Theoretically. Uh, but yeah, so because uh, we've all been working on various game design things uh, for the last couple of years and... Uh, we should probably talk about them. Uh, well, when was the Blue Planet Kickstarter? A year ago, April. And for our listeners, can you remind how that went? Uh, pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking about running a Kickstarter in the middle of the pandemic, but um, <laughs> I did it and uh, was kind of blown away by the response. Uh, we ended up with about $125,000 um, and a lot of people excited about the game. Yeah. It was, it was really great. It was Mm -hmm. fun and exciting to watch that. Um, so yeah, you've been working on what is it like a year and a half, two years now since the Kickstarter gave you marching orders of like, we can afford to make this much. Well, uh, it was a year April. So Mm -hmm. what is that? Like not quite a year and a half. Yeah. 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 Um, and a year and a quarter, I guess. It's been full steam since, but full steam during the pandemic is very different, I think, and this is my experience than full steam. Otherwise, yeah, full steam is is it on after the pandemic? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, just before coming over here, I was making yet more edits to the rules. Yeah, um, it, so it'd be like that sometimes, it'd be like that for sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, where what? I guess the first thing is uh, the the kind of update, like for you know, people who backed it or, or people curious about Blue Planet. Uh, recontact, uh, what is, uh, what is his current status? So, um, it's funny you ask, we just did our August, I just did our August, uh, Kickstarter update. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finally, uh, anybody who's been watching would be aware that we're not going to make our estimated October delivery date. A so, late Kickstarter. <laughs> what? My God. The deuce you say. <laughs> I'm calling the police. Uh, yeah. so I wanted to make that transparent and everyone's like, oh yeah. Sure, whatever. Uh, they were super supportive. It was really nice and kind of gratifying to have that. But we've been really transparent since the beginning. Like, here's where we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we are now. Here's what we're doing. That's the way to do it. Um, and so uh, told told them that sort of overtly um, and then gave a status update. And I, I think the short version is, I just have to pick a number. I'd say we're about 80 to 85% done. Um, with everything, not just writing. With, with everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the more nuanced version is all of the art is in all of the text is, a, is essentially done. There's a few small pieces that are kind of coming in and out. And then yeah, that's you're doing. Yeah. And then there's some editing yeah, yeah. Um, by our editor uh, on top of the editing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's just a, a few pieces here and there that, that need to come in. Um, but I will actually shout out to, to Caleb. I don't know. It was, a, it was one of these um, yeah. game designer workshops a couple of years ago. I think it was, Red Markets days when you were talking about parallel production Uh um, and how you thought it was really important in game design um, to have everybody that could be working, working at the same time. Yes. Like bottom line. And I really took that to heart because that was actually back when I was doing upwind. Um, And so I made a really strong effort to have all of the people contributing to blue planet that could be working 
at the same time working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, if anything has paid off in terms of like where we are at that 80, 85%, it's been that. Mm. Um, and so I've been really pleased with, with how that's worked out, especially with, I mean, I don't know what your experiences have been with freelancers in the past, but there's, there's a flake out rate. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think uh, it, the pandemic has certainly exacerbated that for understandable reasons, mm-hmm. right? People want to do it, but life just makes it harder. Yeah. Um, and that has, could have been a bad, a bad bottleneck for us. Had, had we not been really striving to mm-hmm. well, do parallel production and I, anybody considering doing this kind of thing, make that a mantra. Uh, yeah. Look up, uh, uh, basically project management. Like this is a whole like field of study, like, uh, people get degrees in it and, uh, but there's ways you can get, there's tutorials and classes online and like that kind of podcast about it. So yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, the thing I would not do is if you are a fledgling game designer, I'm guessing you're not like six Sigma certified or something like that as well. And maybe you are, but like, I yeah. wouldn't just go on the internet and search project management and f- expect to find a lot of useful, practical information for game design. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, uh, what I found with that is that even, even now post pandemic is like, it, it's such an upfront cost, which is why most people don't do it. Like, because if you're going to do all your art and all your, all your artists are going to work at the same time and all your layouts going to work at the same time and you're going to be writing at the same time, like the writer has a strict word count. It's that and no more or else we got to buy more art. And the artists like layering and all the stuff on the PSD, there are so many people who can make beautiful art who cannot format an art piece like a fucking email which is what's required of InDesign for layering and like you have to be very specific about your print qualifications and your DPI and all that stuff's got to be up front and like when you're excited about working on your game book the like oh man I'm going to talk about color saturation numbers and let me forget it yet. Like that is not the first thing you're, you're excited to do. I, I think the biggest shift is like, especially if you're used to being a solo developer is realizing when you're bringing other people, you have to make decisions in a different order. Like you're saying, like you have to like know what your word count is or you have to get more arts. I mean, like when you're a writer, you write and then you fix the word count in editing. Like mm-hmm. and you get the whole draft on and then you can worry about layout. But like, that's not how it works when there's multiple people. Otherwise it's going to take so much longer. So, yeah. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm in fulfillment hell still for red market stuff, uh, due to the flake rate you were talking about. And like, there, there are points where I do like parallel project management cause we got to get this out the door. So like phase anatomy, I recently released, I was, you know, collecting art at the same time I was doing revisions on the app at the same time I was writing at the same time I was doing proofs. Um, but like carrying economy is, is great. I'm very excited to put that out for red markets. I did not do parallel on that. Cause like, I just, you know, people writing and have kids, it'll get there. And in whatever shape the child allows, <laughs> like, uh, and then I will only then will know how much art I need and only then we'll know what kind of layout I can use. And so like, sometimes you have to sort of plan like, well, there's no chance in hell that's coming in on time. So working everyone like dogs for this thing that's not going to exist or not going to exist in the form to do it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. So we, you need to do, but yeah, I think you need both methods. Mm-hmm. I think for this, but for time sensitive stuff, yeah, you got to plan at the outset to get everybody working. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on knowing like what resources you have available to you. Mm-hmm. So if you know if the people you're working with, you know, have kids, then you know, you need to plan around that. So yeah, like, yeah. um, knowing what you can and can't, what your capabilities are is really, and that's, 
so often is what messes up Kickstarters, right? Is like, oh, we didn't anticipate this. We didn't know that we we were going to run into this. We didn't know that we, you know, uh, people were going to flake on us. And they, yeah, so they didn't mm-hmm. know what they could actually achieve. So, yeah. um, but uh, it sounds like you, you did know what you had available. And yeah. You planned around that. Yeah. I, I mean, um, we knew how much art, well, we had a, a, an overall word count. And mm-hmm. so we, we could figure how much art we wanted. Yeah. Uh, and therefore how much we could afford to spend on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, in, that in and of itself is, I, I think a thread of this that doesn't get talked about very much is art direction itself. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an enormous investment in the time of the creator, especially if there is a, a, a property that's not, uh, generic enough that you can draw from the real world or other yeah. experiences. Mm-hmm. The example oh, yeah. of blue planet is really pretty specific. Mm-hmm. And since the game sort of rests on its setting, we had to get every piece just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I could talk a whole, it can't be the too. first time your artist is learning how to draw a dolphin. Right. Yeah. Cause right. there's perhaps no animal that looks worse badly drawn than a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> and if you give them specific details and they're, and they're not included, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Because it's that whole picture's worth a thousand words. And if I'm paying this kind of money for the art, it has to carry its weight in the mm-hmm. book. Yeah, you you invented something in my hard sci-fi setting with that picture that I cannot explain right. physics. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I ended up putting in. Uh, I knew there would be a lot of time investment mm-hmm. in the art direction, but but this was far in excess of what uh, I had been anticipating, and that's having done art direction for other projects mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Um, so that was a that was a big big part of that parallel management. So, um, you know, I've heard different ways of people estimating how much art they need for a given project. How did you estimate your art needs? Um, kind of backwards, I think probably from the way, well, maybe, maybe this isn't true. Maybe people do it this way a lot, but we looked at page count mm-hmm. and kind of the rate at which we wanted images to mm-hmm. appear, mm-hmm. but then also looked at what that would cost at the rates that were available to us for mm-hmm. artists that we were willing to work that with. you knew you could trust it. Yeah. Um, and, and so you just do a little math and you kind of raise that up per page or lower it down per page and, and come to a number that you can essentially afford. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I typically, when I stat out like a big Kickstarter, I do like a three by three, like, okay, if it's this many pages, what interval do I want art? Like, well, yeah. here's, here's, it's a product and people will still call it a game book because there's barely enough art in it. Here's, yeah, yeah, yeah better than that here's man there's a lot of art of this book and we'll do that on my but then you got to do like three by three like what's that look like at black and white what's that look like at color what's that look like at this many pages mm-hmm. so like yeah that's the thing when you start doing the art direction that's a version of art direction but if you play in the kickstarter right you've already done like five or six or seven conceivable art direction systems because you're planning for like stretch goals and, and things like that and so it's usually just deciding on one and then refining it once you get the actual, the marching orders, the, okay, I can spend this much on it. Yeah. Right. Uh, of the money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not just like page count too. It's also like every chapter needs like a header image or usually like, you know, you want mm-hmm. a nice, mm-hmm. the, here's the big spread and the art we're going to use for promoting it later on and stuff like that. Yeah. And so like, uh, or the, you know, if you know that 
the certain graphic design elements, you know, like, oh, the gear section, we should probably have, you know, images of all the important pieces of gear. You know? I, I'm, I mean, I'm probably a little too anxious, but I, yeah. I just I just budget in fuck up pieces like oh, a yeah. quarter of a page. I know I'm not going to fill that. Give me a half pager for when we fuck up and that's going to look like a big blank. <laughs> like I just I just do generic mm-hmm. setting images that I could probably throw anywhere that I'd be like, well, yeah, that'll, yeah. Be, that'll be for when I have a giant hole I need to fill. I, yeah. I will also say and you might. Grind your teeth. Um, I I did not plan the art for the actual place it appears in the text. Oh, that's and fine. I did that kind of mm-hmm. on purpose. I mean, a couple of reasons. One, there's a whole big text section and specific text specific spot yellows. Mm-hmm. There's like 25 of those. And then one of their stretch goals was illustrate every creature in the field guide. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay, there's yeah. like 40 of those. So there's going to be like consecutive pages of mm-hmm. with art for, for 20 pages in each of those sections. You want reference, right? Is this not enough reference? But what I, what I did uh, specifically as the starting place for the art direction was I said, what are the images that, that as someone who's kind of lived in the world of blue planet for the past 20 years, (laughs) what, what do I want people to see? Yeah. Yeah. And I made this huge long list and then I said, okay, we can't afford all that. Now what, what has to be there? And I kind Uh of called the top five. And so these are the 50 images that I want in the book. And if they end up being in the middle of the character creation section or in the middle of the, um, the, uh, middle of the, just the setting yeah. description, that's where they're going to have to go. But, yeah. But I want the, and, and there's a lot of them by default that you're going to be able to say, Oh, he's talking about the map. So here's a, an Island. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's a mistake to try and wed the images to the text too closely, too much of the time. Like there's some times where you need it, like monster manual entries. scenarios. I, yeah. Scenarios where yeah, maps and that kind of thing. But like most of the time, it's just like you want something evocative of the setting and like, uh, and that's the perfect thing to do because if you, if you wet it too closely, then like when it gets edited, which it will, you know, uh, Oh great. Now I got to re I got to rethink this entire layout and it, it just cascades, right? Like, because all that flows from one page to the other and it's just a nightmare. Uh, definitely hypothetically speaking, definitely not something I've had to deal with <laughs> in other projects in the past, yeah. so, but one could imagine that would be a nightmare. So uh, uh, I was talking to Matt Forbeck once way back in the day when he, mm-hmm was working on brave new world mm-hmm. you know that game i've not played it but he, I've heard. i'm aware yeah superhero game pretty yeah, grim yeah. dark yeah he wrote it in the layout template oh yeah with the picture boxes yeah so that when he would get to the text he would then like make a little quick note in the box mm-hmm. over the image that was associated with the text so he wrote the book in the layout format which oh, is yeah. sort of like a i guess the opposite the end of that spectrum. So I see a lot of actually see a lot of designers doing stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have the, the intense graphic design shit of like the Stockholm cartel, like Morkborg and oh, yeah, all yeah. that. You know, you've got to write to the page on that. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like, you're in centimeters of like wiggle room for margins and stuff with all that art on the page. Well, I think you do the yeah. same. You said you were doing those two page templates for yeah. Eclipse Face. Zines. Well, a, yeah. a lot of zines are doing yeah. that now. Right. Writing. When I was writing the freelance format, yeah. for Eclipse Face, they said it has to be this many words between this many and this many words. And it's like a hundred word wiggle room. Uh, and it's uh, the two pages on, you know, uh, uh, gangs and the asteroid belt, you know, like that's it. So, Oh yeah. Eclipse Face yeah. starts as a word count and ends as an inch count. Like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> they start giving you uh, word inches to fill because, like, well, we're not going to have but uh, 1.5 inches of blank space on oh, an yeah. Eclipse Face page. What are you, a madness? No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I'm actually working on another project right now, which is a zine, and it's supposed to, it's a horror scenario, The Night Clerk, uh, which is one of our early Call of Cthulhu actual plays. And I'm actually doing that writing for the spread. And, like, I, I wrote the initial draft in, in Scrivener. Each page, each two page spread was about, you know, 500 to a thousand words or whatever. Mm. And, uh, then I paste it in there and put in the images and now it's like, Oh, well, this is just a, this is just a paragraph too much. Or this is not a paragraph too long. So I just like, well, I can just add a little paragraph right here. So I'm just typing in little bits and pieces in InDesign. So, uh, editing it is going to be real fun. Cause I'm just going to have to send like the full PDFs. Like that's it. I can't just send you a, a word file or anything. Cause that's exactly how many words it needs. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I'm not getting more fucking art for this thing. Mm. And I am not leaving out the art that I already commissioned for it. So <laughs> people are going to see that art. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a real challenge, but um, so has there been any, any mistakes or anything like that that you had to deal with, with uh, too much or too little art? Um, or were you pretty good with your estimates? We'll find out. <laughs> uh, the art is done. I'd yeah. say there's probably just over a hundred pieces, individual pieces. If you include, that's really good. Yeah. Tech. How many pages is the book? Uh, that's probably more than that. Probably 120 pieces. pieces maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, it's going to be two books, uh, at, uh, about 360,000 words. Dang. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be big. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is yet another topic that struck me as, as I was thinking about what to talk about today mm-hmm. is there seems to be two paths that games are taking mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Blue Planet was a big book. Red Market's even bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the the sort of the slim volume. Haunted West. Right? Yeah. Haunted West is way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like 900 pages. Right, there, right. So, but yeah. But that, there does seem to be two sort of pathways that games are, are going in mm-hmm. terms of, and, and it makes it a, a very different project management exercise. Yeah. Right. But anyway, the, the art, uh, there, there is, there's been a struggle with, with art in, in some ways. Um, we had an artist who did all our pre Kickstarter stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the plan was, he was going to keep working on the project. Did great work. Loved it. Bought that art from him. The moment the Kickstarter made, he doubled his prices. Now he was, he was planning on doing that. He was planning on raising his prices anyway, which we knew because he was pretty inexpensive, uh-huh. but doubling it was not really in the budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then we had to scramble to find other artists and mm. we ended up working through a studio, which is its own kind of challenge. Oh um, yeah. Because they're, they're, this is the only time I have done that. I've always, yeah, I've never, yeah, I've never worked with this. Um, It it ended up that we just sort of didn't have a choice in terms of the calendar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and they did bring some great artists to the fore and I'm really pleased with the vast majority of the art. Mm -hmm. Um, but the sort of figuring out that workflow was a big challenge because they have a different intention, right? That they're a company that is trying to make money as a middleman for a stable of artists so communicating with the artist individually is not an option. Mm, yeah. So you're, you're communicating with their art director who is then interpreting your direction, passing it on to the artists who then make their own interpretation. And copies of back. copies of copies make images clearer, right? Right. Exactly. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it, it did cause some friction mm-hmm. uh, that we worked through. Um, but it, in, in some cases we, we kind of settled on, and what, you know, once you've worked with the artist a few times and they get what you're looking for in the previous images, I think they can, if they're good, will will sort of translate into the into the subsequent images. Um, and there's some pieces that are just stunning. Uh, Great. By the time 
I was getting the last ones in over the last month. Uh, every time one would come in, it's like, this is my new favorite. Oh, no, this is my new favorite. <laughs> so I'm, I, I've been teasing some of those out on Twitter and putting mm-hmm. them in our, in our Kickstarter updates. I'm really excited for people to see everything. Um, so I, I do think in the end, it, despite the, how, how grinding a process it was, uh, it, the end results were really good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look into that if I ever make something of that size again. Our, our creature artist was awesome. Yeah. Um, he did uh, some of the illustrations for um, some of the Upwind projects we had. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was nice to have the same artist do all of the creature illustrations because it gave it a, an aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and then same with the tech artist. I had the, the tech artist did all the, the tech illos. And so there's a, an, uh-huh. a given aesthetic for it. Cool. So, cool. Cause I had ambitions originally yeah. with the same artist doing the whole book. And that's kind of where we were set up for. And, it, and then of course it didn't work out. But. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Doubling the price of every picture in the book. No less. Yeah. 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 That is, I mean, on one hand you understand why, you know, but it's like, well, we can't, that's too much. It's a bridge too far. So yeah. Yeah. Um, to you. I'd be interested with the studio. Cause like when I do a big book, I try and like, I'm only using freelancers yeah. and I try and give them like more than one sector. Like I do try and like maintain the look of the book as much as I can, even though I will never get anything out if I just hire a single artist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like I will give them like sections to do or like you're on inventory and you're Mm -hmm. on characters and you're on that. But the thing is like, you can't give like when you're working with freelancers, it's real hard to give them one thing. Like it's real hard to be like a 400 inventory pictures don't go insane. And then you hang up and wait for two months and hope you get them back like that's you're really praying for them to flake at that point mm-hmm. like and they're artists they they want to do things that are interesting you gotta you gotta vary it up but if it's a studio i don't think i would have compunctions about 400 inventory pictures now <laughs> yeah, so yeah. i don't know if that'd be helpful or not yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. our starting point was a style i yeah. i wanted a kind of painterly and i, and I won't say abstract because not nowhere near abstract mm-hmm. but right. i wanted something that was subtly painterly uh, so that it wasn't it, the really hard edged, um, yeah, no, not hardly defined lines, yeah, yeah. engineering style, science fiction, sort of concept art that you see for like movies the, like and stuff. schematics. And stuff. Yeah. That yeah. stuff is super expensive. Yeah. Um, and it's also really hard because there's no interpretation. Like they have yeah. to get it exactly right or yeah, it's yeah, exactly yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this more painterly style one went for the sort of general ethos I wanted for the setting, the soft mm-hmm. focus. Um, but it also gave room for some of this intentional slop that would, would make it, everything fit a little better. Mm-hmm. And luckily it also meant that as long as someone was in that painterly style, the differences between artists weren't quite as exaggerated. Um, and so that was, that was helpful. And then the studio gave us a bunch of samples and said, well, who would you like to, to mm. use? And I picked a few and said, can I get one, one image from each of these folks and then see how it works out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of went from there and I ended up leaning really heavily on, on two folks out of the studio, but I think a total of four or maybe even five people from the studio contributed, but mm-hmm. two did probably 80 or 90% of the art. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, God, you know, it does remind me, um, all these challenges about art direction, uh, you know, that uh, uh, recently someone on the RPPR Facebook group linked to this uh, small indie RPG about Bible camp uh, uh, apocalypse. Uh, you, you saw it because mm-hmm. he commented on it. It's basically like um, a summer camp, your camp counselor and the, the biblical apocalypse has happened. And it looked interesting. So I actually bought the PDF. It's five bucks. And then I opened it up and all of the art in it was generated through mid journey. One of the AI art generators. Oh, I was yeah. wondering how long before. 
Yeah, yeah. ran into one of those. I assume there were yeah. several people out there already racing to that finish. Yeah, we. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about it sure. before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. give it another couple of years. And you want to talk about project management? Uh, I can write more games than people can illustrate games. Yeah, I assure you, I can do that right now. <laughs> like I'm going to outpace any number of artists I can afford. But yeah, I, it was only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like. You know, the, the, the cover art for it was pretty like it was a well done mid journey. So it didn't look really like I didn't I didn't tag it from the cover up as soon as I opened the interior and it shows like, a, you know, a tent that does not, you know, you can already like once you look at a few of these, you can kind of recognize like, oh, that's AI generator. Cause yeah. they, there's always mistakes. Or maybe the yeah. biblical appocalypse just looks like. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the biggest thing is like, is it, uh, you know, there's so many ethical questions and, and practical questions about using AI. Uh, art so um yeah it's, well the ai does somewhat good job of faking different kinds of writing styles so yeah. maybe pretty soon you can just ask for a role-playing game and it'll spit the whole thing out yeah it's true um but um yeah i i i, uh, I just wanted to make a point that like yeah it's already out there and so like uh oh wait i need a fill art well i guess i can i can generate this picture of a gun or a you know, a lock picking kit, you know, or like item slots, you know, the simple items are probably going to be pretty easy to do. So, um, yeah, something to keep an eye on, uh, if you're an RPG designer and you know, there's reasons not to use it at all, uh, not just ethical, but also like, yeah, I mean, practical. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can enter as many things as you want to on Dolly. If you can't get under the hood and start messing with values, uh, and that takes, training to get anything out of it. You're not Mm going to be able to like shape what you want. Yeah. You can't give the computer notes for, for instance, (laughs) I I can give an artist notes. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing, but make it red. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's very bad at getting text too. like all the text I've seen has always been like, get like vaguely letter shaped things, you know, looks like from the bone each manuscript or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, uh, in terms of editing, what are you left editing? Is it just kind of proofreading stuff or is it just like, no, uh, it's, it's the full on editing. Um, in the past, we've only I've ever really just worked with sort of proofreaders. Mm-hmm. I'll do the content editing and then the proofreaders. But this on this project, we have an actual editor who is making making words better. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and uh, she's outstanding, uh, and I'm happy to share her contacts. Anybody's looking for an editor, she does it full time. Oh, cool! Um, and she's really really thorough uh, to the point where like. Every company that I list, she has a database where she lists the company and what they manufacture in the game world. And oh, what, story what, Bible stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. So she builds that uh, any any creature, like anytime it's mentioned and where it's found in story Bible stuff, like she builds all of that as part of the editing process. Yeah. You want to talk about that front loading labor for project management, doing that, mm-hmm. doing artist reference, like a like a PowerPoint or a, or a deck of just like, here's what it should look like. God, that saves you so much time. And it's such a pain in the ass to do before you've actually <laughs> gotten into the process. Yeah. Yeah. And she uses a lot of it for her own reference because mm-hmm. um, one of the ways we, but if you can send that to anybody else, right, right. that is going to be right. uh, um, style guides, for instance, that stuff. Yeah. Too. yeah. So the, um, the content editing for almost all the files is complete. Uh, there's a few freelance things that are still coming in um, that I need to do my own editing on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has seen almost all the files for her first pass. And that first pass is the sort of structural editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second pass is her actual proofreading. She does proofing as she goes, but she doesn't really focus on it till she gets to the second, second pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the two pass editing. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, most of the files are in, 
have gone through the first pass and we're going to, I'm going to have, then I have to go through and respond to her mm-hmm. copious comments. And then they go back to the final. Pass. I mean, that's how you do it is multiple paths. You can only focus really on one thing at a time. Like, uh, like yeah, story or content or yeah. Proofreading. Like it's, if you're looking for comma splices, it's not, you're not going to be able to think about like, yeah, manufacturer names and stuff like that. So, um, that, yeah, definitely. That's just how it's done. Um, yeah, it's uh, has there been any the, the game mechanics, though, there hasn't been any yet. This is all setting like material and like uh, the textual stuff, not like game mechanics. Well, that, too. Oh, OK. Um, in fact, that was what I was working on today. Yeah. Her first pass of the game mechanics. Uh, she has done some game stuff. I don't know how much mechanics she has done. Mm-hmm. Um, she did do a proof. We on the Upwind project the editor that we'd originally had crap the bed. Oh, yeah. Um, did a terrible job. Uh, and so she sort of saved us by mm. doing just a really hard proofread, mm-hmm. um, but it had already been laid out at that point. So the poor layout artist had to like oh, make all yeah. the corrections. Like, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, she um, did the mechanics for Upwind, but only kind of as a proofreader. So she hasn't had to actually edit mechanics to make them make more sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding there are subtleties of what I'm trying to say in the rule and how the rule is supposed to work that are colliding a little bit with Mm. maybe what is a better way to say a thing, but Mm -hmm. not the right, the best way to say that thing. Uh Yeah. The technical Um, writing aspect. Right. Which is um, coming from a science background myself and a teacher. Yeah. um, I make choices based on some of that stuff that aren't perhaps the most efficient or best way to write. Mm -hmm. And I've come across a few places where the, the rule has changed as a result of what uh, has been edited. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of having to kind of dig through this first pass a little more closely than I would if it was just setting text. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I guess I should have seen that coming, but, um, well, it's good that. that you're doing not a lot of ga- Not every game goes to that level of, uh, uh editing and pro- especially about the rules and mechanics. And, uh, I mean, we've all played games that clearly like could have used a pass or two. On, well, uh, this is the last yeah. effing time that blue planet is going to be published. So it better be as close to <laughs> perfect as I can get it. Yeah. 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 Um, God, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, just looking at other RPGs, I, I, I looked into Traveler recently, just curious about that. And there's uh, so many editions of it I can't keep track of. Like, and they they uh, are publishing like updates to the core rules as separate PDFs for like 30 bucks. It's like, really? Not just, just release a new edition at that point. If you're releasing 300 pages of new rules, like, sounds like a new game. So I also made the mistake recently. Um, it was in one of the previous updates. You know, mm-hmm. how, I don't know what your experience has been with, with um, sort of play testers or, or, or beta readers oh, yeah, that yeah. aren't in your immediate circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've never had a lot of success with, you know, a lot of people hold their hand up and they want to do it, but then yeah. they don't the feedback, feedback is, yeah. is usually non-existent if not really helpful. Oh, it's good. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. It's good. I liked it. Yeah. So um, I, I, I actually look fondly upon those people now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Delta yeah. Green has introduced me to the 15 pages of useless feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mistake play I, tester, which is my new least favorite type of play. Tester. <laughs> the mistake I made with that update was I said, hey, I just got the first pass back from the editor, the mechanics. If you don't mind, like it not being proofread yet take a look at what the final edits are going to look like. Oh, and yeah. if you have any comments or suggestions, please give them to me. Mm-hmm. 
proofreading comments is what you got back. Well, well no, no. <laughs> oh, you didn't? They actually I, listened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had, I have, there's three or four people that have been carrying me. That's mm-hmm. another good topic for mm-hmm. pandemic game design. Four, three or four fans who've been carrying me. In fact, they've been such loyal fans and so enthusiastic. Uh-huh. I gave them freelance assignments <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and they're turning in better stuff than a lot of the experienced freelancers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's been awesome. Yeah. But they, of course, like within 24 hours had poured through the mechanics and had very, very kindly written suggestions that first I looked at and I just got a cold sweat because I'm like, all right, the mechanics uh. <laughs> have already been through the first pass of editing. So the yeah, editor's we're, not we're too late happy. for this. Yeah. Right. Right. And then I started reading them. I'm like, damn it. These are good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through and, and luckily um, they were things that could be very easily tweaked, mm-hmm. but it. I came out of it feeling like, wow, this is actually tighter now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, probably the, the bigger problem, uh, Greg Benage, I don't know if you know the name, mm-hmm. but he was my original partner on Blue Planet, mm-hmm. had a had a job that did not allow him any time to do game yeah. writing for years. Freelancer uh-huh. changed jobs recently. Yeah. About the time that I sent out this mechanics <laughs> file. <laughs> he's always been a much savvier mechanics guy than I have. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, remember that file? <laughs> So there, there were a lot of really good suggestions uh, that I'm trying to work through now, and and he and I are discussing. But um, it's not really an ideal time. It's better than having it laid out, yeah, 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 yeah. and having it gone through the second pass of editing. But it could have been better had I not already sent it to the editor. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, at least you're getting them before you go to press. So. <laughs> Which is what happened to me with base raiders. I got like, oh, can you uh, here? here, I'm going to send these to to press in a couple weeks. Everyone take a look at them. And then like the day after I upload the files to the printer, he's like, oh, here's 50 pages of uh, things I found, you know, and just like, great. Thanks. It's that gamer timing. Yeah. Uh, Punctual as ever. (laughs) Well, that's I mean, that's cool. It sounds like it's going in a really strong direction. It's going to be really good. Yeah. As long as I can keep myself going that's been that's been sort of the hardest yeah, hardest yeah. Thing. um yeah because that's the thing yeah as as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode it is you know the era of the pandemic and uh it has changed everything you know i've uh before this episode we were talking about oh you edit your actual plays as well they're online so i have to to a degree because when someone uses the dice spot there's like a five second pause so i have to go out and remove all those five second gaps um, and also when somebody disconnects, I have to, you know, things like that. So, uh, it's changed everything. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, you and I were talking last night yeah. about just, I mean, when we told them October of this year, yeah, there was a lot of like, what? That's so long mm-hmm. right? because this was April <laughs> yeah. of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, well, I know how these things go. So I, I plotted it out and I added a bunch of months. Yep. What I didn't really account for was not the fact that there was a, pandemic going on Mm -hmm. but how much that just takes everything down a gear Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and i don't mean supply chain stuff i mean that's other considerations to make but just you come home and in 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 the before times there were you know this many units of energy to spend after your day job on doing some blue planet work for example Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah but now there's just half that yeah um and yeah and and for me specifically the nature of my job nature mm-hmm. of my day job has also changed dramatically because of the pandemic in a way that uh, was also not really predictable and it has really slowed the process down dramatically mm-hmm. um, and if there is a bottleneck in the process it is just that you know the, i i 
I have had to just slow down everything I'm doing because I just don't have the the capacity in, both physically in time and yeah, yeah. to execute the way I had been in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like, yeah, the early pandemic was just, you know, reading the news nonstop, you know, doom scrolling. Uh, and as I adjusted, then, you know, uh, personal things came up. And uh, I think now recently, last five months, I've, I've kind of stabilized and, and be, I feel more productive than I have been. But, yeah, it's taken a year and a half to get to that level where I feel almost to where I was before the pandemic. And I work at home and I, I have that luxury. So, like, uh, that's not everybody gets that. So, um, yeah, Gail, what about um, I struggled with motivation, but like, uh, I don't know, Bill once said I was Thanatos driven. So like going in, we were teaching from like August 2020 straight through it. Nothing, no masks. Kids refused. Anytime you asked, it was a fight, throwing shit, fights, dead teachers, missing kids. Like it was just a nightmare. Um, but like no kids were doing any homework. I couldn't get him to do anything. Anytime we went online, I couldn't get him to sign in. So I did lesson plans and I turned them in like I was supposed to. And they just sat there and I had zero grading and there's no reason to plan additional lessons because they didn't do the first lesson. So like things um, really slacked off in the, in the paper load front for an English teacher and, mm-hmm. and the lesson planning front. Cause I wasn't really capable of being a good teacher anymore in the system. And by the time I decided to get the fuck out of there, I'm like, well, I'm going to use this. So I wrote like a madman. Uh, <laughs> I wrote and recorded an insane amount while working a full-time teaching job just to get ready to like try and get an off ramp onto this thing. And, and it worked out and I got very lucky. Um, but what I'm finding now is that um, the thing I wasn't quite factoring in when I was doing all that while I was teaching is that while I was doing that while teaching, everyone else was in a down gear as well. Cause like their jobs had gone remote or they were switching jobs or they were laid off. And, um, a big part of the way I'm funding the long swaths of time it takes to revise and revise and revise and revise, which are not words you're getting paid for if you're freelancing and definitely not words you're getting paid for if you're publishing it yourself. Um, is with podcasting and playtesting my stuff. And what I find is that I can't get players nearly as easily as I could back in the pandemic days because, and, and, and I find myself in that too. Like, Oh good. Another zoom meeting, AKA a game with my mm-hmm. friends, uh, which is not a motivator for many people, but like in-person stuff has not recovered. Uh, gaming groups mm-hmm. have not recovered in any way, shape or form like that. And, um, yeah, so that's slowing me down now. Like I, I was, and then I, I'm not producing at quite that speed anymore, but like I have a number of designs I can't test cause mm-hmm. I just can't get enough mm-hmm. people to test it with me. Um, and then the other fact is that, and I don't know if you've encountered this cause blue planet is a fairly refined design even before you started doing the second edition Kickstarter, but like, um, play testing online is such a different barrier of entry then I had this idea, let's baff it out on the table with whiteboards and scratch paper mm-hmm. and see if it works. And you're, you're essentially getting the same information you need, but one requires like, well, let's publish the full game 
and write script in tabletop simulator so we can see if it works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus what let me do this on the back of a napkin and so I don't waste my fucking time when it probably doesn't work um and that's where I'm at currently that's my biggest difference in the uh, workflow I mean so I I started off pretty depressed but then I I increased my workflow faster than ever but where I'm at now is that like the world is not where it was mm-hmm. when I started developing that fast. Right. Uh, right. And yeah, I, I can't get it back there uh, because, you know, my, my living is everybody else's hobby. So uh, you just got to make peace with that. But yeah, but yeah, it, it's different for everybody. Like I think players approach games differently. I know people who started playing RPGs in the pandemic and mm-hmm. had never done it before. I know people who stopped playing RPGs in the pandemic who had played their entire lives. Like it, it's the, the whole thing's kind of upset. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I had almost the exact opposite issue. Um, mm-hmm. Also in education, um, administrator at a boarding school, kids were there. And so our responsibilities were much higher. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they were going to class, they were doing all their homework, but they also couldn't leave campus. They needed supervision. They needed, mm-hmm. um, uh, not only just, um, distraction and diversion and activity, but they also needed a much higher level of mental health support than they've ever needed in the past. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole nother hidden pandemic underneath the, the viral one in terms of student development and, and mental health. Oh man, elementary schools you know, are those poor little bastards have gone feral. And I went, <laughs> and I went from probably 50 hours a week to 70 hours a week. Oh, I bet. Uh, and, and I bet you could have put in more. Yeah. yeah. And so there just wasn't, the physically there wasn't time in the schedule to be doing any of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it just slowed everything down. Um, and I think that's probably the, the sort of the reason we're not closer to finished the primary reason. I mean, yeah, you paint it with a broad pandemic brush, but I mean, it's completely understandable too. Like I was talking to Chad, the, he wrote stigmata. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with that yeah, game. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. We were, we were talking near the beginning of it and I had like, and he's got a new Kickstarter coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I had just, we, we left for the beginning of the, after spring break, we never went back and we were there all through summer. And so like until about, uh, like, I guess, June or July, I just sat there like just, you know, dial tone, nothing going on in my head. And like, we talked about it and he was just like, yeah, I can't feel like playing an elf game matters. Like I can't give a shit. I don't know why anyone would give a shit about it. (laughs) So I can't imagine like an audience that would care about it, which makes it like impossible to write. And I was just like, yeah. And I mean, we talked about it and the, the only thing we talked about is that we'd had writer's block before. And so like the best thing is not to panic especially when it's from an externality mm-hmm. um, that everyone's going through. Like, don't yeah, think that no like, kidding, yeah. yeah, don't think it's that, only happening to me. Well, yeah. Don't think like the words are never going to come again. And so, cause like that fear is, is the writer's block. You've just built it higher. Um, and so I, I got through it that way by just kind of waiting it out. And then I, I got back to work, but, well, that, but uh, I, 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 
I don't think I didn't do anything to make the time less. It just broke one day. Like yeah. it was, yeah, I guess I smoked enough weed to get past it, but like, uh, I was going to do that whether I was writer's blocked or not. So I can't really take credit for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You don't know how long that period, which is completely understandable is going to last for your artist, for your layout person, for your editor, for your other writers, for the, and all the timetables that you did have a guesstimate on have you know been blown up yeah well i i wasn't kidding when i said i've been carried by just a handful of fans that Mm -hmm. just are always positive but also uh, and this may sound like a a joke but it's not feeling like i owe people one hundred (laughs) twenty (laughs) five thousand dollars is surprisingly motivating it is very um, motivating yeah and yeah, I mean, I found the best way to get myself to do something, to give myself a deadline that other people know about. And then, oh, like, yeah, be public oh, yeah, about it. Yeah, be public. I can't fail them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And tell people I'm going to work on biohazard all morning. Yeah. And and you're trading that time for something else mm-hmm. that they wanted that time for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, the, 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 the weekly grind of doing a podcast, doing multiple podcasts just kept me going in, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I mean, you do a whole episode on the difference between in-person and online gaming now. Uh, I mean, can we make we've only, I've only played maybe like a handful of online games in the last two years, like maybe 10, uh, something like that. When I was playing games every week before the pandemic in person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm at a point. Cause I'm, I'm running heaven on games and I'm running Delta green and I'm put, trying to put two things up every month on them yeah. um, with that in mix six. And I, I understand it's a lot of material, mm-hmm. but like I have to play a lot of material cause I got, I got to write a lot of material. So like I need to do it anyway. It's not the recording's not never the hard part. The recording's yeah. never the, the work. But the fact of the matter is, is like I've survived this far on like pandemic backlogs. Like I, I still have games that I ran when I was working 60 hours a week as a teacher and then I just come home and GM until midnight uh, or or right until midnight. And like, I understand that's insane. Like the idea is like, well, I've got this from the good times when a million people were dead and like, we were like 4,000 infections a day. Like, you know, when I could actually do the work, like, and I I recognize that's an ostensibly insane statement. Um, But yeah, it's just the, the whole, the vibe is off. The vibe is different everywhere. Um, There was a different vibe that created those things. And I was smart enough to stare it on a hard drive for the, the hard times. But um, yeah, it's 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 hard to predict anything mm-hmm. i mean um I'm, I'm really enamored with the second edition of kickstarter for uh blue planet because like i need to do that for red markets uh but like i know second you edition yeah i know you haven't talked about yeah. it yeah i'm out of print my print runs gone i get messages about it every single day along with like when's this supplement coming out well the person I got to hire it quit. It's like, oh, did you hire somebody else? I was like, well, yes, I did. And, and then they quit. they quit. And then I decided to do it. And, and I'm about to quit. And then I quit. <laughs> and then I hired somebody else. And then they quit too. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, and I got to explain all that on Twitter. Um, but and, the th- and not come across as the asshole. Yeah. Like, why are all the people quitting on you? <laughs> well, well, actually, I did. I, we put out this, 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 and this. And those people didn't quit. And right. They were paid. But this person keeps doing. Um, so yeah, but anyway, I get there and like, uh, the, the problem is, is that like all this stuff has changed. Right. 
But I know that also means that shipping has changed. And I've talked to people who are doing that. And I know it has changed even in worse. the worst possible degree. Yeah. And printing prices has changed. Like, like the whole, I'm going to bankrupt myself to make this shipping problem go away at red markets. It, it could not happen today. Like the, the problems that went wrong in 26 and 2017 would have put me in debtor's prison today for the rest of my life. We're talking like 8K for shipping containers in 2016, becoming like 24 or 25K for a shipping container if they take it off the fucking boat. And if they take it back and don't charge you storage fees for leaving it on the land, like, and the idea that I'm going to be like, well, I got 2,500 RPG books. Let me just put them on a boat from China. Like, it just seems like financially, uh, insane mm-hmm. to me uh because i i there's just so many variables like yeah well we we made the decision to not charge shipping at the time that the kickstarter closed which you absolutely had to and yeah and, anything else would be financially insane and yeah and it's all over the campaign mm-hmm. and i've been mentioning it in updates and my future updates are going to like put it in bigger and bigger print yeah remember and- we didn't charge shipping and I'm still expecting like what? a sea of pissed yeah. off people. And yeah. and I mean, kind of, it might not be justifiable, but it's understandable, right? Because mm-hmm. the, oh, I'll, I'll pay shipping. Because I don't think people's, if you haven't had to ship large amounts of things, I don't think people's minds have quite internalized just how expensive it's become. Oh, yeah. When they see like $55 to ship from here to wherever, they're, some of them are going to be really angry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Amazon I would, has ruined people's ideas of what shipping is. Yeah, yeah. like, I struggle with it, too. Like, Delta Green has dealt with that with the conspiracy Kickstarter already, and they haven't even shipped stuff yet. And they're still dealing with it from the Labyrinth Kickstarter. And, uh, like, I definitely dealt with it in red markets, despite pasting it on everything. Um, but like, that's the insane thing to me. Like at one point I had empathy for it. Cause I'm like, well, all you've ever dealt with is giant corporate monopolies that have literal slave workforces. Of mm-hmm. course it can get there in two days in time. And of course they can do it for pennies on the dollar. Like, and I recognize that's all you've ever gauged with, but I'm just some asshole in a spare bedroom. So I understand you're going to think that that is on the side of scamming and not on the side of, I don't own a warehouse, but like Kickstarter's not new. Right. Like, am I supposed to believe it's, over, it's like tw- 13 years old. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Am I supposed to believe Blue Planet yeah. or Red Markets or Phase Anatomy was the first RPG you ever back? Like, if if so, thanks. Like, I'm really flattered, but like, also bullshit. I don't buy it at all. Like, uh, at a certain point, you got to be aware of the model. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, is it Mantic Games? Did, uh, have you heard? Yeah, about the. Apparently, they have said to the backers for their latest project, and they're not a small. I mean, they put out some. They're a minis game, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know the whole story because I heard yeah. it on a podcast people were talking about something similar just yeah. the other day. But they have had to go to their backers and say, We are we are going to charge you another thirty bucks or something, mm-hmm. or you don't get your game. I mean it's here. It's but but shipping's warehouse. gone up that much. Right. Yeah, right. Because yeah. they collected it at the time of mm-hmm. the close because everyone wants the cash flow up at the front end. Um, yeah, but that's difficult to do with a 22% inflation when it's oh, a pre-order. Do, uh, <laughs> games like uh, Kings of War, Dead mm-hmm, Zone, mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. Um, so that's... Yeah, so not not small properties. Oh, Bolt Action. That's how I know them, yeah. Uh, Bolt Action and Conflict 47, which are games I played quite a bit of. Well, actually, just Conflict 47. Bears, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I know. Them. <laughs> so you can imagine yeah. the, the, you know, 
frustration amongst their uh, backers. Yeah. Um, boy. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's going, uh, crazy. but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, um, I'm very glad blue planet was so successful, but like, you know, looking at future projects, you know, I, I am also very aware that like I would need something equivalent, uh, if I was going to do a second edition of red markets and, um, that would, that would be twice what we made the first time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I also think that like, I mean, this is the direction Kickstarter has been going all the time, but like the barrier to entry for a successful project that people are going to register as like a trad RPG, mm-hmm, not the mm-hmm, zines. Mm-hmm. It, it's only going up. It's, it's only getting higher and higher. I think that's, higher that's one of the reasons why zines are becoming more popular is because it's actually, more feasible now for solo creators or small teams is like you can like there's people that you can print out a hundred zine copies and ship them to IPR or something like that. And like, um, yeah, do well. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Like I, I feel like I did an okay job with red market. I feel like blue planet is better than a lot of, uh, trad licensed RPG books that had teams of 20 or 30 people mm-hmm. working on it by leaps and bounds. Um, that's a thing. Like, I feel like artistically people can not only create books of that size and general, uh, heft, um, they can do so quite well and cater it to a singular vision. And it's in a lot of ways better than what you're going to get from some work for hire thing for a licensed property. But like materially, you're almost blasted out of that market. It's like, do you want to do a game that looks like it's printed on a dentist pamphlet? Or do you want to do this like legendary tome that comes in a coffin and you made half a mil to ship to people? Cause like those are the options. (laughs) And then there's a big dead middle now, like that is very difficult to fund in while still getting to people uh, unless you do pod and then you're giving up half the, half the ghost out of the gate. Yeah. Um, well, not necessarily. I mean, like with POD, uh, I mean, there are ways to make that profitable, but yeah, I mean, I think like, well, yeah, for instance, consider yeah. phase anatomy, phase yeah. anatomy did quite well. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. We, we did the website up there. Um, you know, it's got, uh, like a, like a faux color version and a color version. You can get it POD through fam, like, uh, through, uh, drive through RPG or you can get the PDF. All that fine roughly 20 K after taxes, I got for it for all the art for, for the people that kindly coded the website Mm -hmm. who then didn't accept payment despite me trying to send with them, which was wonderful. And, but that's 20 K to work with that. That's gone in a print run. Like that's all of the art budget. That's all of the layout budget. That's everything I did for coding and things like that. That's gone in just the print run of that book. That's not getting the print run to the United States where most people bought it. And that's not getting the books from wherever that print run lands to those people. And I just want to be clear. I haven't made the book yet. (laughs) Like that's the entire Kickstarter budget disappeared in the print run. And it doesn't have art yet. It's, it doesn't have pages (laughs) like, uh, and that's what I'm talking about with them. But I had to go POD. Yeah. Cause like, I, that's a sustainable book. You can mm-hmm. print that book. Like you can print it, you can play it you can mm-hmm. do it on it. Like it works, but like there is a middle that is just slowly evaporating. I think well, yeah. less slowly now, but yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the RPG as art object or as like a pamphlet or yeah, the the kind of thing like uh, the option. And, and to be clear, that that twenty yeah. k I would pay for fam would be roughly the twenty k I spent for the Red Markets print run in twenty sixteen, yeah. which is a hardcover, full page, four hundred ninety six page book mm-hmm. versus a one eighty uh, pages black and white. Paperback. paperback yeah and like those are print quotes from the same company <laughs> like what do you what do you do with that you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah it, well you also face just changing interests and changing mm-hmm. demographic and i wonder how much space there still is for that sort of trad hardback full color five pounds there book. there are there is a room for it but like beyond well beyond yeah. the the collector or the uh, nostalgic person the person who had the first edition yeah. and remembered it fondly um i don't i don't know that a lot of younger people who've gotten into the hobby through other doorways yeah. than, than i have um are really interested. I mean, that's why itch seems to be on fire, right? Because it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something that's accessible and inexpensive and pamphlet games. And, yeah. and you can spend one page games, yeah. half an hour figuring out how to play versus yeah. like committing to learning not only a big game, but a big setting. Well, I mean, there are, there are like, uh, like thirsty sword lesbians, which won like best any, uh, mm-hmm. gold, I believe for best game overall, uh, is a beautiful book and like, is kind of like a, a trad RPG. Like it's, it uses fate, a modified version of fate, I believe. Um, and it's put out by evil hat, you know, midside. I think the thing is, um, these, these trad RPGs that are art objects that are, you know, well done, well produced. Um, I think now it is more in the realm of like mid-sized companies, like 20, 30 people like free league is doing really well. Modifius is doing really well. Um, I mean, a lot of their games are, uh, let's see here, uh, license like alien and blade runner. Um, but not, not, not all of them. I mean, like, um, what is it? Saturday night games, the, the mothership people there, they did really well with a box set that's mm-hmm. coming out. So, um, I, it's, I think it's just like doing what, you know, red markets as a solo act is going to be very hard to do. Like, uh, it's going to well, be, I, I wouldn't yeah. call it a solo act. I mean, yeah. Publishing wise, a solo act, but like, I can't do it with all the, without all the freelancers that have done Absolutely. fantastic work on I mean, that. Yeah. I'm sure Blue Planet is the same. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But like, the thing is with that, like, you see these indie blow ups, like Thirsty Short Love, Mothership for certain and yeah. deserving stuff. I'm not, I'm not being sour grapes on this. Yeah. But like, you also look at like your itch numbers compared to your DTRPG numbers if you sell them both, and they're not comparable it's like it's like when kickstarter started doing the crypto thing it's like well we'll just move to itch we'll just move to tabletop it's like well i'll just deal with 0.005 percent of my income i'm like i mean you won't you'll go out of business over there i mean it still is i would prefer just going out of business and not pretending i could go somewhere else because i can't like um and and, uh people still buy those books they buy those big trad ass rpg books in for dizzying amounts of numbers (laughs) and um yeah, like so I, I often wonder that. Like I wonder how are people getting into the industry. I kind of wrote fam because I wanted it to be somebody's first RPG that you could play online with like one character sheet and no dice. Um, but but yeah, the the numbers aren't they don't compare yet. Like yeah. it, with it your exception of your big darling that that blows up huge. You know, like a lot of people on itch are selling like 
10 copies 10 copies, copies a yeah. month one copy maybe a month. Yeah. maybe yeah um, um yeah. you know i've been doing this weekly live stream for rppr where we go through like the itch bundles and just seeing the hundreds and thousands of things that are put on itch and like including these bundles yeah well the other it's part of, really interesting stuff but yeah it's the other part cool. of like a lot of people getting into stuff on that is that they're also getting in and like a level of quality control that the industry has had a higher bar for mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. up until very recently, which is not to say that everything on itch is bad. Far from it. I'm just saying it's a far more variable quality. It's just well, like DP RPG is well, a far more variable sure, quality than sure. what you get in a brick and mortar store. Right. And the well, point I, know, yeah. I was trying to make was yeah. that I, th- I think that there is a division that's occurring that's sort mm-hmm. of reflected in the spectrum you described mm-hmm. with you know the trad up here and the dentist pamphlet down mm-hmm. here is that the people that can get into the big five pound full color hardcover mm-hmm. book generally have to probably know what rpgs are mm-hmm. may have played that specific one in an early edition mm-hmm. have the money mm-hmm. to, to actually back it whereas the other populations that i'm seeing coming in don't have the money mm-hmm. don't have the background so they don't care and they're not really as interested anymore and this this i'm i would love a better window to this particular question mm-hmm. but they don't seem to really care about the setting very much mm-hmm. except in broad strokes. Yeah. I've always been like a setting guy and that's, that's what motivates me with a particular game. I don't really care too much about the mechanics. Yeah. But I think you just look at the first questions people ask, well, what kind of dice does it use or what the mechanics are? And, and even if it's a game that has a detailed setting, very rarely when I hear an AP played of upwind or even blue planet, it's clear they didn't really read the setting stuff. They just yeah. know it's a water world or there's flying ships and they mm-hmm, call it good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of make up what they want from there. And so I wonder how much that space is also getting utilized by these other groups coming into the hobby. Yeah. I think a lot of it is in that part of like not knowing and focusing on the setting so much. I think that's honestly, I'm going to attribute that to the legacy of D and D right. Cause like D and D is a game without it. Like the setting is vague fantasy, whatever that, whatever that means to you, you know? And I think a lot of people like, you know, we, uh, a lot of people come into the game in the hobby now because of actual plays, you know, critical role, right. et cetera, et cetera. And, um, that's D and D and that's just like focusing on the characters and the wacky adventures they have. And they only describe a few elements of the setting whenever it really matters to the, 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 the plot at hand. Um, they don't really do the like thousands of years ago. Here's the, uh, explicit, uh, description of this game. And, you know, uh, unless it's a license thing, in which case you're, you should already know what Lord of the Rings is all about or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think itch and all that kind of stuff, the democratization of it is fantastic. But like, I would agree. Like, I don't want to say that like you don't buy like a designer, but I feel like the younger generation of kids coming, they buy like designers. Like they want to see new things games can do. Not particularly what your game does. Like that, that's what I see a lot in people coming in from that more side of things. And that's fine. Um, but like, I just think it's a spectrum. Like I think along with the democratization of itch and stuff, you get this wild fluctuation in quality control. And I think being people being who do engage with it at all and aren't just full trad games, uh, but they do engage with that side of things with the wild flux and quality control. I think when something does break out like mothership and is really good, I think that like 
enhances the first past the post problem of mm. indie gaming. Like, like, well, this is the one I've heard about because yeah. people said it was good. Yeah. And so you, you, and that's where you get the big elevations that don't necessarily drag up the, the dentist pamphlet sized mm-hmm. game into a more right. uh, mainstream rarefied financial yeah. realm near the trad game. Even if mothership and other stuff gets launched up there. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. A couple of things about itch though. Just, I think the reason, you know, the, why it, it's it's only been in the last couple of years that it's been popular, but it just hasn't matured yet as a platform. And I don't know if they're going to, but like, you know, people shit on drive through RPG uh, for various reasons, but drive through RPG has things like, Oh, if you like this, you might want to buy this, you know, they have publisher tools to help you market your games. And they have uh, like ways to categorize game by settings. Like itch has right now physical games and then tags. And then that's about it. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to discover games. There's no way to really like, Oh, if you like this, you might like this you know related game sales um so there's a lot of stuff itch could do and maybe hopefully in the future they do to make it compete with drive through rpg but yeah it's not a viable option i'm fine with the settinglessness of it even if it just means i can't write stuff i like writing more um but like i do see like a a downside to that other than just like a market trend because like a lot of times i think you can uh, call it a feature if you're talking about negative space within the design or, you know, you know, not filling out the map and giving players places to play. And I think all that's like wonderful design stuff. Um, but I think like that loosey goosey attitude as to mm-hmm. what we're doing here, I have seen it like in the indie space, move into mechanics, move into this is a list of improv prompts without any oh, resolution yeah. that's so any, many story any indi- that, any yeah. indication of what my resolution should be about yeah uh, oh we lost the thing um and uh yeah i just uh that that seems like a downside to that like i don't see that in a game that has a 200 page setting tome they they don't tell you like make the dice behave as you feel like right. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah 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 um yeah, I think, I mean, there's also, like, uh, subdivisions, even the trad games. Like, there's, like, trad games, which we mean, like, D&D-style games, or, like, Blue Planner, or, like, Red Markets, or Base Raiders, where it's, like, here's how you make a character, here are the rules, here's the scenario, here's the setting. Then there's, like, OSR game, which is, like, old-school renaissance, old-school revolution, the idea of, like, let's emulate what D&D felt like back in the 70s and 80s. But now there's also new-school revolution, NSR, which are games which are, like, rulings not rules and uh not trying to le- replicate the vibe of D, but to make it weird and crazy and fantastic and very a lot of negative space games like uh uh, uh and uh, uh fist and troika. troika yeah that's another that's a really big one in the space um and and these kind of games are uh i would re- put them on the trad rpg side of things rather than like storytelling games but. yeah it's such a useless genre thing like yeah. calling Morkborg like indie when they like like come from a cartel with 40 professional graphic designers in it or something. And like, well, I mean, it's indie compared to like white wolf and I, wizards of the coast. I know, but like calling red yeah. markets, traditional game as if like, I'm over there at wizards of the coast headquarters being like, Oh, drop more zombies over there. Like, uh, I know they look different. And like, that's what the, that's what the thing is. Like we, we mm-hmm. base it off the look, 
but it's got nothing to do with the production value. Yeah. But the term describes the production value, not the aesthetic of the book. Like, well, no, I mean, I've yeah, heard yeah. Dread RPG as a like a, a style of RPG design. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, yeah, yeah, not not production, uh, an economic production method. But yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the things is just like the the study and language of RPG design is still like a woefully mm-hmm. undeveloped thing. Like we we're lucky to have. Well, I don't think it's yeah. going to develop more without and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, it's COVID, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jeff and I, you and I are talking about how it's impossible to keep up with yeah. everything. I, like, we were just talking last night. Um, I, I was thinking back, I, I was ruminating, seeing all my friends posting about being at Gen Con and I'm glad I decided not to go, mm-hmm. yeah. but I was bummed, you know, seeing all the pictures and everything. But um, I was thinking back to when blue planet first came out at Gen Con ages ago there were probably four or five other big role playing, big role playing games that came out that year. So you knew what there was. You could trade copies of your game with everybody that put out a game and that kind of covered Gen Con's role playing releases. Mm-hmm. But now like there's five or six or eight or 10 games that come out every day. Some of them might be very slim volumes on itch, right? But mm-hmm. even if you're drawing some arbitrary line of quantity or quality, there's still dozens and dozens oh, that yeah. come out of Gen Con that I'm just you never even hear about. E- Evil Hat puts out a new Blades in the Dark game that I've never heard of. I think probably since we started recording this. <laughs> well, like, like yeah, uh, I'm on the press email list for Free League and Modifius, and those two companies alone put out so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, Free uh, Modifius has like Octoon Cthulhu and Star Trek and like um, Dune. Yeah, and like that that one some minis, I believe Dune did. Um, yeah, and that's not counting like designers i like and follow like chris bivy like we mentioned with haunted west like yeah. it's just yeah, it's, yeah no degree it's, of earnestness is going to allow you to kind of keep track of all of it in your and that's not even keeping track really of like, know about yeah it. and like rpgs that now are so much dominated by like actual plays like again critical role which i don't follow but like i know it exists and it's huge with a huge number of people and like yeah just well, keeping it with fifth ed D third party material alone like would be <sighs> yeah <laughs> Well, if you look at Kickstarter, what is it like primarily STL files now mm-hmm. and then and then third party. Yeah. Fifth ed edition stuff probably yeah, makes yeah. up 75 percent of yeah, yeah, what's yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing, it's not really relevant to us and our size, but like we talk about how that that trad space is getting more and more corporatized and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I do think we might be back at Gen Con levels if we're talking about like big RPGs release. It's not the zine size things, mm-hmm. but like I think we would be back at like more sustainable levels because it would be made by guys and gals who really love big old RPG books and will bash their heads against their keyboard until one comes out. And I think those people are still making books, but it's oh, like sure. harder for them to make. But I think the thing that makes us not notice that they're harder to make is that when you have this critical role thing, I think there's more executive money in RPGs than there ever has been before. You've got like all of these branded RPGs coming out in a way that like, I haven't seen since like 90 splat books. Like Mm -hmm. here's the Witcher one. Here's the alien one. Here's the predator one. Here's the blade runner, blade runner one. Here's the dark souls one. That's just five E with a coat of sad. Oh, they're actually going to really, they realize they fucked up and they're actually going to release the Japanese rules for that, which is an entirely different game. It's supposed to be pretty good. Actually (laughs) translate that into English. (laughs) 
like, but like the yeah. thing is they ran like a multi-million kickstarter campaign was just like yeah d20 will do it right yeah yeah, yeah. it seems like it's good you guys you you idiots like that shit anyway give us your money <laughs> like uh like i really think that makes the um the widening it invisibilizes. it makes it kind of transparent because mm-hmm. like i do think games like the size of blue planet and red market i do think there would be less of them post pandemic but like that number has been made up for and doubled and quintupled by like avatar by you know nickelodeon gives a shit about an rpg now like that mm-hmm. that's that is something that is a very new mm-hmm. um and it seems very like 2019 2018 at the very start earliest i would say as a result of like the ap rick and morty mm-hmm. critical role is resurgence of dnd um i just think i think this we're being supplemented by all this corporate money that hasn't been put into RPGs yet. And which I imagine will go out very quickly. Once those corporations see how much money or is not in RPGs. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, I think the real thing is in the next, uh, I've seen some speculation on Twitter that, uh, D and D is going to put out a new edition in the next year or so. We have that movie coming out next year. I think, I think it's next year, the D and D movie. Um, and so, um, the real oh, question yeah. is, is any anything indie going to do anything compared to six that or whatever the fuck they, they're going to call That's it? That's what we needed. Just Whedon's D&D. Yeah. I think, no, it's Chris Pine's D&D now. So <laughs> and uh, whoever the anonymous director is, because it's definitely someone that was replaceable. Probably. I imagine by the end of it, they're going to want to be anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, RPGs are uh, as as fascinating in some ways this is a high watermark like we're living in an embarrassment of riches like there's so many great games out there mm-hmm. to play and try out and uh designing them's never been <laughs> well more challenging uh but it's still possible so uh, i would say yeah. to the educational focus because i've neglected yeah. it for years and smoked weed in my garage i, I would say if you were thinking of, do- of doing this um i would be very skeptical of anyone right now even an old hat veteran saying they know the score yeah. like th- if they can say like well we did it this way here or like i've been thinking about doing it this way now that's good advice you should listen for it but if anybody comes in and they have the answers no, they fucking don't like the world is two years old at this point <laughs> like no one knows the <laughs> answers of the current situation well even if even before the pandemic uh, so many decisions at least at the scale that i've been involved in industry mm-hmm. have been exigencies like oh this is the resources we have or this is the people that we have or this is the art that we have and you go that direction you're mm-hmm. not starting with everything that you want or or with the luxury of being able to make some decisions yeah mm-hmm. um, and you have to build from there yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah i i hope if you're listening that you if you're keep on building whatever you're building. So, uh, I've been doing some, uh, RPG consultations with, uh, patrons in the last couple of months and it's going like people are still creating some real interesting uh, stuff out there. They I, really want to. So, yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to consult with somebody and pay for that for like yeah. a one-time fee, that's good. If you're, everybody else is trying to figure it out too, you should get on there and figure it out with them. And that's yeah. the best way to learn. But like, do not buy the RPG masterclass 
because Luzaki knows how the industry works from having sharp dice yeah, in the seventies. Like, yeah. don't don't pretend like just because people did it for a long time before. Okay, are you yeah. making this up, or have I just missed? <laughs> no, that? no, no. I'm I'm making up a masterclass. It's not a thing that's oh, been offered. But like, okay. I, I do know you, you I, made it sound real for a second. No, there. no. Uh, but I, I do know people who are just like, well, no, they're they. I've seen people downplay like, well, it's just the industry. You're like, oh, things change, and I'm just like, come. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, think you can admit things are different and you don't know what's going on all the time. Like, yeah. um, that would be the only thing I think would be skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Like, be skeptical of people with easy answers because I don't think there's a ton out there. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Um, yeah. Two years ago, I don't know if I would have predicted zines becoming as big as they are or pamphlet adventures or Morkborg or that style becoming as important as it is. Uh, well, even yeah. if like, oh, we have $8,000 to ship this. And yeah. this says we need $8,000 to ship that. So we're good. No, 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 <laughs> no. Are you shipping today? Then, yeah. and that's the actual invoice. Then maybe, but, <laughs> but yeah. like, do not think that that's going to stay static in six months time. Yeah, yeah. We just don't live in that world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just re-listen to the, all the old game designer workshop episodes about red markets and probably a lot of that stuff still applies in, in broad terms. And many of it doesn't yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you just, you got to negotiate it in the yeah. new system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, thanks so much for coming on, uh, the, uh, thanks for having me. It's always, always generous. And it's always fun. Yeah. Would would Uh, you get to work on that remaining 15% so I could read? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hey, I can send you files. Yeah. What are you doing here? Just don't make any, just don't make any suggestions on things to change. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing here? Talking to us. You got work to do. No, I'll just give you 10 out of 10. No notes. (laughs) Like that's my birthday (laughs) gift to you. So and Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Caleb, uh, anything you want to plug before we go? I write stuff. It yeah. might be out one day. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash RPPR. Uh, if you want to, if you need help with an RPG project, uh, uh, you can, you can get consultations from me. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you all later. Bye. Oh. Hey, it's Ross Payton. I'm talking into a microphone and I'm getting levels. All right. Sounds good. Caleb, do you want to talk? I do, but not like that. <laughs> okay. You don't have to. I mean, you can just, you want to keep talking a little bit? Uh, not particularly, but I shall. Okay. All right, Jeff, do you want to talk? Test, test. Hello, hello. All right. You want to, let's see. Here. Hello again. <laughs> yeah. You see, you're normally where Caleb said, so the levels. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's just uh, the levels are different. So yeah, that's why we're doing this. Anyways. Um, yeah, and I'll adjust it as we go. Uh, cool.